Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our service. Oh. Welcome to our service this morning. Greetings to those who join us online. This morning, James is away in Carrickfergus taking a harvest service. So we pray for him and the congregation there that um, they'll be able to understand it maybe a wee bit more than we at times. <laughs> As we gather this morning, remember that this is a morning worship service and we have much to praise our God for. Psalm 149 says, Let Israel rejoice. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. So this morning as we come together, let us rejoice and be glad that we are in God's presence and that we have the privilege of coming here to worship him. Um, the reading is from Genesis and it's chapter 6, verses 9 to 22. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 400 feet long, 70 feet wide, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Thank you, Ruth, for our reading. Um, we are starting a new sermon series, which, as you can see from the screen, is called Men of Faith. Um, James assures me that you've already done the women of the Bible, so now we're going to look at some of the men. Um, and I thought it was interesting that the way James put this was that they have left us legacies to learn from. So we are going to spend a few minutes this morning looking at the legacy of Noah. But before we begin, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for the stories of so many men and women in it who have interacted with you, who have been found by you and found you. Lord, we pray that as we hear the story of Noah again, that we would be open to receiving the lessons it has to teach us in our lives. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So in one sense, the story of Noah seems really far removed from us. Like, I would say that the story of Noah and the flood is one of the earliest Bible stories I remember. And it's on stained glass windows, and it's on bookmarks, and it's in the children's Bibles. And it's a really vivid story. But it doesn't really look like Lisbon in 2023. Like the idea that there could be enough rain to bring a flood is not unusual in Northern Ireland. But the idea that there could be enough rain that everything would be covered for days and weeks and months at a time, like I'm not sure that we can imagine that much rain. We've seen the devastations that floods can bring. Just earlier this year, Pakistan was devastated with floods and homes were, were washed away. But it didn't cover the mountains. And it didn't kill everybody. So this idea of a flood that destroys all of the earth is so big and so far removed and in some ways so alien to us that I think sometimes we tell the story to our kids and think, but that's a bit unreal. And actually, the whole first portion of Genesis feels very far removed from anything that we know of life and culture and society around us. And I think it's a deliberate thing. I think the, the, the writers of the Bible, the people who put the Bible together, this was so far in the distant past that the stories are in some ways a bit like, but not the same as, the stories that we have in Ireland of of the giants and the fairies and the, and the difference is that this book has stories about how people interacted with God and how God interacts with people. And that's kind of what we're looking at. So I was thinking about Noah and who he was. And the, I mean, the fact that he lived for like more than 700 years in and of itself is like a bit mind-blowing. The fact that he lived for more than 700 years and he was faithful, that's even more mind-blowing. And today we're looking at Noah and his faithfulness. Noah was a man, it said, who was righteous and blameless in his generation. And verse 9 says he walked with God. Psalm 15 verses 1 and 2 says, Lord, who may dwell? in your sacred tent, who may live on your holy mountain, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous. And that line, whose walk is blameless, does what is righteous, could be a summary of who Noah was. Because Genesis says Noah was righteous, blameless, and he walked with God. Now there's another famous person in the Bible who walked with God, who was Noah's grandfather, Enoch. And what's famous about Enoch is he walked with God, and then the Bible just says, and was not. And scholars have spilled a lot of ink discussing what that means. But actually, the very first people in the Bible who are, who are called to walk with God are Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3, after they'd eaten of the fruit of the tree, it says God came to walk with them in the cool of the day, and 
led be, they were hiding. So actually, one of the things that Noah does, one of the things that we should be looking at and going, this is part of his legacy to learn from, is it says Noah walked with God. Because God designed us to walk with him. God designed us that on a regular basis, and for some people that might be first thing in the morning, for some people that might be in the cool of the day, for some people that might be during their lunch break, for some people that might be the last thing that they do before they go to bed, we are supposed to spend time with our creator. But what does that look like? It's not like God knocks on my door at 5.30 in the evening every, morning, every evening. It's not like I can invite him in for a cup of tea. It's not like we can arrange to go for a power walk around the streets where I live. For us, it may be just turning our attention. It may be slowly praying through the Lord's Prayer. It might be reading a portion of Scripture or praying a portion of Scripture. It might be praying for the people that are on our hearts, the situations in the world, But it's about spending time. It's about turning our gaze back, remembering that we are not the creators, but the created. Remembering that we have someone who has created us who has a vested interest in our life. And the difference it made for Noah is that a world around him that was corrupt and full of violence Noah is found to be righteous, blameless, and walking with God. And God decides that this is the man who will carry on his purposes. So one, Noah walks with God. Two, Noah pays attention. From verse 13 to verse 21, God has some pretty specific instructions for Noah. But Noah's listening. Noah's paying attention. And it doesn't actually say in the Bible, did Noah hear an audible voice? Did he just get an impression? Did somebody else nudge him and say, I think this is what God might be saying? And sometimes it's the same with us. If somebody was to ask me, how do you know that God is calling you to ministry? I, I didn't hear a voice. But I just know. Sometimes we don't know how we hear God, but we know that we have heard God. But it is much easier to hear someone if you're walking closely with them and paying attention. Like, can you imagine the scenario if Noah had listened to verses 13, 14, and 15 and then had stopped listening? So he knew he had to build a big boat. He knew what size the boat had to be and the dimensions, which seems a very big boat for him and his wife and his three sons and three daughters-in-law. And he missed the whole bit about the animals. But Noah pays attention not just to some of what God says, but all of what God says. I wonder what God might be saying to you this morning. And I wonder what might be distracting you. I wonder what the equivalent for Noah would be of a mobile phone. He didn't have them back then. 
But if he'd have wandered off, if he'd, he'd have stopped paying attention, then half of God's plan might not have happened. And I wonder if sometimes we hear a bit of what God says and then we kind of fill in the details for ourselves. We may not wait for further instruction. We might just think we have a better idea. So Noah walks with God, he pays attention, and thirdly, he obeys God. Now this wasn't straightforward. The boat that God asks Noah to build is about six times the length of this church. Now I'm not sure where in Lisbon the nearest bit of flat land to build something six times the length of this church is. I'm not sure where it was for Noah. That's a very long bit of boat. But also, he didn't live anywhere near a sea. Can you imagine what his neighbors were saying as he was building it? Like, what are you building? Like, that's not a house. The sides are the wrong shape. Like, it's, a, it's for what? It's for going on the water. Like, what water? There were rivers near Noah, but no massive sea. It was costly in terms of time, in terms of money, in terms of his reputation among his neighbors. But it says Noah obeys. Not only does it Noah obey, verse 22, it says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. God gave him fairly explicit instructions, and Noah didn't think, well, do you know what? God, your idea about a roof is a really terrible idea, and I have a better way of going about this. Noah didn't say, do you know what, God? I'm not going to bother about the lions because they are likely to eat everything else on board. Noah didn't say, do you know, I really love my wife and my three sons are okay, but I have one daughter-in-law that is just driving me nuts. Can I not take her? It says Noah did everything just as God commanded. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, said that the church if it is obeying every command of God except the command that is being challenged by the society around it is breaking the whole law. If we are obeying all of the stuff that God is calling us to do except for the one thing that's a challenge because the culture is challenging it, challenging it or because our boss is challenging it or because politics is challenging it or because our laziness or our apathy or because it's costly, it's challenging us, then we are not doing everything just as God commanded. And where does Noah end up? Do you know the end of chapter 7? I wonder how Noah's feeling. He's built the boat. The animals have come. He's inside the boat. He's got his wife, his three sons, his three daughters-in-law, and a lot of wildlife. And it's been raining. And they can't see the mountains because they're underwater. And they have no way necessarily of steering the boat. They don't know where they are. 
because there are no landmarks. And it's been weeks and months. And I wonder if the end of chapter 7, Noah's going, seriously, God, I walked with you, I listened to you, I paid attention, I obeyed you, and this? Like, how would, how would he have felt? How would the ark have smelt? And the truth is that for all of us in our lives, there can be points where that is what it's like, where we listen to God, where we walk with him, where we obey him, and then we feel like we don't know where we're going, and there's a lot of mess, and it's fairly smelly, and we don't know where we're going to end up. But chapter 8, verse 1 starts, but God remembered. But God remembered. But God remembered Noah and all who were with him in the ark. See, Noah's faithfulness is not an example to God of how God should be. God's faithfulness is what Noah is imitating. It is God who is the faithful one. It is God who is faithful in the midst of a corrupt generation full of violence who says, I am not giving up on this project. I am not giving up on my word of salvation. I will save what I can save. It is God who in the New Testament and who to us, while we are the ones who are corrupt and full of violence, while we are sinners, Christ dies for us. Noah's faithfulness is not an the first example of faithfulness in the Bible. It is the response of someone made in the image of God, made to walk with God, who understands God's nature and understands that God is the faithful one first, that God is the one who carries us, that God is the one who remembers us, that God is the one who sends salvation when we cannot save ourselves. And so for us this morning, I'm wondering where you are. I'm wondering whether you're walking with God or you're going, I know I, I, know I need to walk closer with him. Or whether you're a bit distracted and not paying attention. Or whether you're obeying except for that one thing that you know he's asking you to do. Or maybe you've done all, all that he's asked and you feel like you're with Noah at the end of chapter 7 in a boat. But God remembered. Our lives of faithfulness come from a place of standing on the enduring, eternal, before you were born, before the world was made, and long after we are gone. And when the world is remade, faithful, faithful, faithfulness of God. Noah staked his whole life on God's faithfulness. His whole reputation. 
everything he had. He staked on God's faithfulness. And God was faithful to him and will continue to be faithful to us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the example of the faithful life of your servant Noah. We thank you that he walked with you, that he paid attention to you, that he obeyed you. But Lord, even more than that, today we are so thankful for your faithfulness to us. That while we were sinners, while we were in a place of corruption and rebellion and violence, you sent Jesus to be our saviour, to die for us. Thank you for being our faithful God. The blessing of God our Father who made us, the blessing of God the Son who loved us and gave his life for us, and the blessing of God the Holy Spirit who remains with us and helps us. Be with us now and with our loved ones. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.